When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy one-year anniversary to Karina Adores. Karina Adores is a line of category style romances exclusively featuring characters from the LGBTQ community, filled with heartwarming scenes of characters getting to know each other over witty banter, falling in love, and overcoming central conflicts that aren't focused on the main character's identities. Karina Adores novels leave readers with the warm and fuzzy feeling of romance well done. Books are available in paperback, ebook and audiobook. Karina Adores launched in June 2020, and we are excited to celebrate the one-year anniversary this month, so many of the Adores ebooks are on sale for just $1.99, but only until June 30th, so you're going to want to get on that as soon as possible. Recent new releases include Best Laid Plans by Roan Parrish, The Hate Project by Chris Ripper, and Hard Sell by Hudson Lynn. Readers can learn more and download a free ebook. That's right, a free ebook. You heard that correctly. Do it today at KarinaAdores.com. That's KarinaAdores.com. Hello, and welcome back to Win in Romance. And I'm back in Win in Romance. Hooray! If you're wondering, who is this? I'm Jess. (laughs) And I'm Trisha, and I could not be more thrilled that you are back. I am thrilled to be back as well. We are recording episode 84 on Thursday, June 10th, 2021. It's June. I feel like it's been so long since I've been able to sit and talk with you, Trisha. It has. And we we had a fantastic conversation with Jen Northington, who we both adore, about a month ago. But then we were off for Memorial Day, so... Even though you only missed one episode, just it feels like it's been ages. Ages. I'm so glad you recognize my voice. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I could never forget your voice, Trisha. Ah, thank you. I hope that's uh, I hope that's for good reasons and not because it like haunts your dreams at night. We'll we'll hope for the best on that. <laughs> uh, but because you were away, you missed some exciting news, which is that we have like a whole new pool of wonderful listeners in India, which we are like Jen and I talked about, we're really excited about it. We are delighted to have people listening from all corners of the world. And if you are in India, if you are anywhere else, and you happened upon the podcast, in maybe like an unusual way, or even a usual way that we may not know about, (laughs) please let us know because we're always excited to hear and see how people find us. So Feel free to send us a note. You can do that uh, at the email address, whenandromance at bookriot.com. Jess and I always share our, our socials at the end of the show. Many of you have had to listen to them now 84 times, <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Speaking of listeners, we actually heard from Dana. Some of you may know this already, but the podcast 99% Invisible recently did an episode on clinch covers. Dana sent that our way. I'd seen it on the socials, but having heard from Dana... 
both that they did a deep dive in the history and they interviewed uh, Sarah McLean, uh, Alyssa Cole. First of all, that that is a good endorsement. And also mm-hmm. the fact that Dana listens to this podcast makes me think that they are a romance person. And so I respect that endorsement and I will be listening to 99% Invisible for the first time ever. I've, not, I've actually not listened to it before. Me either. Um, we'll link to that. Yeah. Have, did you, but did you see it too, Jess? Did you see it like floating around? I did. There, there was some good discussion about that. Um, so I'm excited to get to it, which I haven't yet, but you know. Well. There's been some really interesting talk about clench covers, actually. There's a new Twitter account called The Daily Clench, and they post a new cover. I'm not sure if it's actually daily, or if it's multiple times a day, or if it's <laughs> every few days or whatever. Creative license with the title, yeah. <laughs> but they they actually like also include some commentary with it. So it's it's a really fun account to follow and just like have have a lovely like 80s style clench or 90s style clench pop up in your Twitter feed every once in a while. So I will link to both of those in our show notes. So uh, and huge thanks to Dana for reaching out and letting us know. Yes, thanks, Dana. Oh, man, we have a lot to get through. We have like one main topic, a little bit of news before uh, we get to that. But before we get to any of it, Jess, I feel like it might be time after six weeks for you to do an ad spot for us. Ah, the highlight of my time. Not not really. But I do really enjoy these because our sponsors are the people that let us do this. So and I have found so many books through these. <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I sometimes think I'm the audience. I mean, really. And for those of you who continue to find books through our ad spots, this episode is sponsored by Epic Reads and Love and Other Natural Disasters by Misa Segura. When Japanese-American teen Nozomi Nagai pictured her ideal summer romance in San Francisco this summer, a fake one wasn't what she had in mind. A love triangle becomes even messier when fake dating and old flames get involved. This is a queer, modern rom-com with depth by award-winning author Misa Segura, perfect for fans of To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. So once again, thank you to Epic Reads and Love and Other Natural Disasters. Hooray! We had to, after introducing Jasta's last episode, so two episodes ago, our new cover clatch, cover coverage, whatever we decided to call it, cover corner. (laughs) Cover corner, I like that. Cover corner. We had to do a, a brief, at least cover corner in this episode so that people don't think it's just one thing that we did one time and then we never came back to it. No, <laughs> we're gonna, it's gonna be a thing. Get ready, everyone. And so I think, Jess, you were the person that um, highlighted for me that one of my, dare I say, our favorite classic romances is getting a re release. Absolutely. As those of you who participated in the last book club uh, recall, Beverly Jenkins is Vivid was released in a 25th anniversary hardcover release last year. And she is planning a 25th anniversary hardcover of Indigo. And um, we haven't gotten any final information on when that's coming out. But she's posted sort of a a look at what the cover might look like on her Twitter. And even if that is completely different from the final version... I am very excited about this hardcover just because, A, more hardcover Beverly Jenkins. Always more hardcover Beverly Jenkins. Yes. And also, do you know what the cover of Indigo looks like right now? Like, if you buy a copy of Indigo that is not one of the absolutely 
coveted original uh, uh, clinch cover copies of Indigo. I have. I feel like this is a trivia question. I have one. It is that my I'm currently three thousand miles away from my normal apartment, but I feel like it is a solid cover, maybe like a an indigo cover or a black cover. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's a solid cover, and the word indigo appears in a different color. Uh huh. That's and that's it. That's basically that's it. The cover. There's there. Yeah. There might be some kind of like frill or some other kind of artistic addition to it that is not a face or a body of any type. So just having like a really attractive indigo to have on this shelf is really exciting. I don't care when it happens. <laughs> I'm sure some of us do, though. I 1000% agree. The one thing I will say is that when you have the very boring cover, you could sell it as an academic book <laughs> that people should be reading in academia, <laughs> which as I have said before, this is the hill I will die on forever. I support you on that hill. I'll keep rolling it you up. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No matter how many times it takes, just roll me back up the hill. <laughs> Indigo should be taught in academia, in high schools, in wherever. I Anyway. But yeah, I'm 100%. I'm so excited. This is, we talked in the last uh, cover corner about how I'm not 100% sure that a book that came out in like 2018, the new cover might be confusing. It's a, if you are Beverly Jenkins and your book has been a classic for the last 25 years, you can have a new cover, mm-hmm. and you should have a new hardcover, and I'm on board. Yep, absolutely. Well, now that we've got that established, we'll obviously we'll be linking to Indigo too, because come on. <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, it's time. Yeah. But that is not our main topic for today, Jess. Our main topic was one that you suggested a few weeks ago. Yes, and you know, I was thinking, it's June, it's Pride Month, there's going to be people talking about pride and romance and the state of queer romance and all this other stuff. But there is an element of queer romance that while increasing in number and increasing in sort of, what's a good word? Recognition? Yeah, I was gonna say attention, but recognition is definitely better. (laughs) Attention's also good. It's still like the redheaded stepchild of romance as a whole, definitely, and still queer romance. And that is romance between women. And Trisha and I had a long conversation about the various phrases and letter combinations that is mm-hmm. used for this. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we're all working on not being too tied to the gender binary and all of that. But there's also this element of romance between women, whether they are cis women mm-hmm. or not. So I just, I thought that would be a great topic to to discuss for our big Pride Month episode. I 1000% agree. And I think that's an important note to begin on, Jess, is that I think part of my trying to sort this out is that what when I started as a romance reader, uh, romance that was between two women or featuring two female main characters, or I guess three sometimes um, was FF or FFF. Yeah, it was like a it was an F for female. And sometime over, I would just say probably the last couple of years, mm-hmm. women loving women or WLW has become sort of more dominant. I think people have a kind of feelings that are entirely valid about what either one represents. And I will just start by saying. We, neither of us intends any of this as like a value judgment or meant, it's in no way meant to be exclusionary of other books. Mm -hmm. People on 
all places in the gender spectrum are in romance and in great romance. And honestly, I don't know, maybe sometime in the next couple of months, it would be good for us to do an episode featuring characters that are gender non-binary or different identities. But we just kind of, I think your point was a good one that in the world of queer romance, there has not been, it seems like male-male romance has largely dominated the queer space mm-hmm. for a while. Is At least to me, it seems that way. And granted, I mean, of course, male-female romances have dominated all of romance to like yes. the nth degree. That is absolutely <laughs> where the domination has happened. But even as queer romance has become, as Jess was saying, sort of more recognized, more mainstream, a lot of that has been male-male, I think. Yes, it absolutely has. And I think that, I mean... We've had this conversation, well, we've had parts of this conversation, and we can continue to have more parts of this conversation about how there's something in romance between men, male-male romance, MLM romance, whatever you want to call it, gay romance, Mm -hmm. that has captured a very specific group of cis women, and there are like whole populations of romance readers who only read romance between men and they themselves are neither men nor queer and it's it's something that I'm still investigating because I don't completely understand it not I don't understand why but I don't understand how how that population built out and would love to learn more mm-hmm. if you have any research please let me know um mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another story mm-hmm. so the fact that that is so huge always leads us to the conversation about how a genre that is so purported as by and for women, even as we try to move away from that language, features so little romance between women. And when I say so little, obviously, Trisha and I are talking about this giant billion dollar industry and Mm -hmm. small being relative, because it's not like there's only a couple. There are a growing number of romances about women and other people who aren't men falling in love. There are whole publishing houses dedicated to it, or at least that have a good amount of money behind the romance element, even if they publish just queer literature in general. And it's it's something that is worth having a look at. Vaguely critically, but also in a celebratory manner, because hooray, it's increasing and getting bigger and getting more popular. And there are actual, like, the big five are realizing that people actually want to read more than just romances between different genders, (laughs) which is exciting. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, because you're right, obviously it has existed for ages and ages, Mm -hmm. and also... I remember sitting in a blogger day, it might have been one of the ones that you and I were in together, just a blogger sort of session at one of the romance conferences. And the team at Berkeley was talking about how they were going to be publishing their first print romance that was featuring two female main characters. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, this is cool. And also, how is this the first? Like what? Right? It's, you know, like it was because at that point, you know, Kat Sebastian, K.J. Charles, like there were a variety of people writing romance and getting it published. I believe I shouldn't, I mean, I I, I would have to double check, but I believe by main, big five mainstream 
publishers. Mm-hmm. But this was at least that imprint's first major one, which it kind of kind of blew my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. I will say I I kind of felt it was I think 2019, and as I was wandering through these bookstores, I kept seeing Once Ghosted, Twice Shy by Alyssa Cole in print in bookstores and often it was the only Mm -hmm. book featuring two female characters let alone two black female characters Mm -hmm. and it was honestly i was happily surprised but i was a little surprised that you know an independent bookstore in idaho was carrying (laughs) you know a book that featured two female characters in romance i mean it's like i said it's great Mm -hmm. and also very long overdue yeah, I mean, that was that was such a striking moment for me the first time I saw that cover and not even like holding the book in my hand, just seeing it online. Because I feel like that specific coupling to black women in romance was something that sure probably existed before, but not anywhere that I had found it, not anywhere that was going to put marketing dollars behind it. Um Definitely not together. Like, we, we yeah. can talk about yeah. the fact that they're depending on who's publishing it because they're, they're, like I said, they're publishing companies who focus on romance between women or just, uh, queer w- stories about queer women, many of them being romance. You've got Bold Strokes books, you've got Bella books, you've got Ilva publishing, but sometimes they don't put the people on the covers. Um, yeah. so. Uh, Once Ghosted Twice Shy was definitely a big deal for me, me as a queer Black woman, seeing queer Black women on a book. But of course, there are also now, especially, so many authors that are doing it on their own. You know, you mentioned K.J. Charles, and she was probably the first self-published author of queer books of any kind that I came across when I was in my early days of exploring more romance but she's she also primarily writes about men and other people who aren't women. But as we like watch the explosion of self-publishing in general and just get to like sort of dip our toes into brand new authors all the time who are exploring this, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that you mention the books that you know we we talked about covers, we talked about clinch covers. It's interesting that you mentioned that a lot of these books traditionally have not had people on the cover, certainly have not had a clinch cover. And one of the people that kind of jumps to mind when we talk about uh, romance between two women is Radcliffe, Mm -hmm. an author who has been doing this for decades. And I'm kind of just scrolling through her Goodreads page right now. And none of these books, some of which I mean, many of which were published again, 20 years ago, or more, and they, it's a lighthouse. Yeah. Or it's a mountain. And it's it's interesting the way that, particularly because e-readers were not necessarily a thing mm-hmm. when she was publishing these books, people who were trying not to necessarily advertise exactly what they were reading. Right. I mean, it offered them, I think, a little bit of cover, which, again, people should not have needed. Anyone should be able to read whatever they want in whatever setting they want. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's kind of, it's it's an interesting sign of what has changed even in the last 10 or 15 years in society. But I think you're right that publishing is changing quickly as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, you know, you got some of these books being now, tra- something to talk about by Meryl Wilsner, 
written in the stars by Alexandria Belfour. I don't know if I've seen, I may be missing something. I don't know if I've seen a tradition, like a, a trade paperback by a big five publishing company by an author of color that is not Alyssa Cole. <laughs> Yes. Well, and even those, I think, are mass market mostly, right? Oh, yeah. You did say trade paperback. I'm thinking trade. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will say that I do not. Not that is by a big five publisher and not that is a traditional photograph cover. You're absolutely right. Or even illustrated. I mean, Written in the Stars and something to talk about are both illustrated. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's still there's still a ways to go. Another thing that I'll say just kind of briefly about how much there is maybe a ways to go is when I was kind of looking into this, you and I were talking about doing this episode and, and focusing on maybe some more like kind of under the radar books or authors, etc. Mm. A lot of what I found, I don't know if this is true for you too, but a lot of what I found was novella length. Yes. And I don't know, I don't know if you have thoughts or insight into what that says or what that means. Because of the authors that I sort of tend to navigate towards because I know that they're a true thing. I know that a lot of Black self-published female identifying authors who are also in some element of queer really like to sort of alternate between that sort of concept of the full-length novel and the novella, in part because mm -hmm. novellas are easier to easier and faster to write for some of them who are trying to make sure that they publish enough books to make a living with them. Yeah. Or, and also this past year, novellas have just been a godsend to probably a large percentage of us who couldn't make it through a 300 page book, but could read 100 pages. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I love a novella. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, I do wonder a little bit if people are having a harder time. Like, are they writing novellas with two women because that's what they want? Or is it because their publishers are saying, well, write this trilogy with male female characters, and then mm. if you want to throw in a novella, feel free. Yeah, it's, we won't publish a full length one that features this coupling. But if you have an idea for a novella, maybe we'll see what it's like. And maybe in the case of a particular author who we've mentioned, whose book we've already mentioned, it will lead to a full length novel of mm -hmm. the same pairing, because they realize it will sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things too. I mean, progress is slow. Slow. But I do think, yeah, yeah, to say progress is slow is probably an understatement, but you guys know what I mean. But you know, when you have Once Ghosted Twice Shy in bookstores and people are buying it, I'll be honest with you, I think I bought it in three different bookstores and then <laughs> gave it away just because I wanted the sales numbers to be, like, I want to do my part. Totes. And I mean, but I, I'm sure I'm not... Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only person who bought that book in a Barnes Noble or in an independent bookstore across the country. And I think that's, you know, like you said, that's money talks. Mm -hmm. That matters. So anyway, we wish the progress was faster, but I think it's fair to say we're excited there's some progress. Yes, I'm definitely excited there's some progress. And the also excited by the fact that not just self-published authors who are kind of my bread and butter when it comes to queer romance, because... I don't know. I just, I know who to go to in that situation. But some of the independent publishers, some of the medium sized publishers and the big publishers are just sort of realizing, hey, we have an audience here for this. We should probably cater to them because they will buy these things. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm learning more about publishers that I didn't really know a whole lot about. Like, Ilva Publishing has been around for quite some time. They were celebrating a big anniversary recently. And honestly, the only author I knew them for was Jay. But as oh, yeah. I learned mm-hmm. more about Jay, I... You know, you subscribe to people's newsletters or you follow them on social and you discover more authors published under that same umbrella and you find more authors to read. Unfortunately, in this situation, as in the situation with Bold Strokes books, as in the situation with Bella, as in the situation with whatever is left of Riptide. Yeah. It's so white. It's so, so white. Yeah. But I guess they're working on it. So... We can hope for the best and just keep an eye out. It's so white and it's also, by nature, being small press, it seems like a lot more expensive. Mm. You know, like you can find pretty much any genre or subgenre of male-female romance for like two or three dollars. If you're just like, you need a book, you're going to the beach, whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot. I mean, I I think every J book that I have bought has been more in the like nine to twelve dollar range. Or, you know, like it's, yeah. I think that... Even being not self-published. And, and peep authors absolutely need to get paid. I, I do not begrudge any author. Absolutely. Who needs to kind of figure that out. But I will say, I think one of the good things about the big five starting to realize that these are good books that people want to read mm-hmm. is that they have more flexibility to set a price point that's more like $5.99. Yeah. Or to, to put a $7.99 book on sale for $1.99. You know, we mentioned in our opening ad spot. I mean, I... Karina Adores is one that we've talked about before. It's mm-hmm. it's through a big five publisher and a lot of their books right now are on sale for $1.99. Like that's that's flexibility that you don't have if you're necessarily, you know, self-publishing or or small press. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. There are some publishers that I I only buy in print because there's like a $3 difference between a print book and a Kindle book or other ebook format. And it's just like, I might as well just buy the print one. Um, <laughs> but I know that there are people who cannot do that, either for monetary reasons or space reasons or just preferences of format. So I look forward to watching the evolution and seeing if authors can still get paid what they should be getting paid and consumers can see a broad range of prices. Agreed. And I think we're going to talk more in a minute about some of the things that we like specifically about uh, some of these books when we give some recommendations. But first, I get to do one of my favorite ad spots. Huzzah! I know. Uh, I'm excited. I told Jess beforehand, I will never not be excited about uh, a Master's of Library Science program. So... (laughs) Thank you once again to Emporia State University's School of Library and Information Management. The Masters of Library Science program at Emporia State University is an ALA-accredited program that offers you the flexibility of online classes while also giving you a community of peers to build your professional network. Through a combination of instruction, students are able to form deep connections to the coursework, professors, other students, and practicing professionals in libraries. ESU offers a quick and affordable way to earn your MLS with most students completing their degree in two years, even while working a full-time job. To learn more, visit the website at www.emporia.edu slim. Again, that's www.emporia.edu slim. And then, as always, send me a note and let me know that you are considering this because I want people to be able to learn about books if they want to. So, 
That last part was a little bit of editorializing by me. Emporia State University's School of Library Information Management. Huge thanks to them as always. Hooray. I just realized that the acronym is SLIM. I know. It's so great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I might have to go online and see if I can get a shirt. <laughs> I would wear a shirt. People would be like, did you go there? I'd be like, no, but I get to talk about it all the time. This. <laughs> Uh, all right. Speaking of things we get to talk about all the time, Jess, should we do some recommendations? Let's do some recommendations. All right. I will start, uh, cause I've got one. Like I said, we were, our thought was that we would talk a little bit about books and authors that we don't talk a ton about. However, I recently, in the last couple of months, reread a book, um, that I really like by Courtney Milan. And I want to talk about it a little bit because it highlighted for me some of the things that I think are unique maybe about romance between two women. So you may know already that I'm talking about Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. It is a book by two women. One is just shy of 70. The other is in her 70s. It's Bertrice Martin and Violetta Beauchamp. They are, they, so, so uh, Violetta goes to Bertrice and says, listen, your terrible nephew is staying in one of my rented rooms he needs to go. You need to pay his, you know, fees, his fines, his dues, etc., his rent, because he's not paying it, and he is the worst. <laughs> and Mrs. Martin says, I know he's the worst. I want nothing to do with him. Goodbye and good luck. So they decide to uh, sort of, you know, team up, get the terrible nephew, you know, to move out, etc., wreak havoc, essentially, <laughs> on his life. Don't worry. He deserves it. He is the worst. And it's fun to watch them kind of doing that and like having their adventures. This is another one of those ones that's that's a novella, but it is, I feel like it's very well built out. And one of the things I was thinking about as they were, as I was reading this book was that I think there is a vulnerability, both in terms of the ages of these characters and the fact that particularly in historical romance, neither one of them are cis-het males Mm -hmm. that they both know at any given time, like they might go to jail. Like, if the awful nephew tries to get his aunt, you know, declared mentally unstable, she could be institutionalized. And she knows that. And she is sort of like, well, this is the best I can do at this point. And I just really appreciate the way that Courtney Milan writes about the insecurity around aging and the vulnerability around social situation. And it's also like a really fun, satisfying book. If you mm-hmm. have ever had to deal with a terrible person, a terrible <laughs> man in particular. Yep. And so I liked it a lot, but I do think that it's probably, I do think I haven't seen that level of kind of vulnerability mm-hmm. in books, particularly historical fiction that mm-hmm. include cis het men because their place in society is just very different. Yeah. So anyway, I recommend uh, for Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure. Like I said, I love novellas. This one is a novella, and I think when I reread it, I reread it in probably an hour and a half. So Nice. Yeah. All right, Jess, what do you got? Well, I love novellas too, but both of the books that I've got to talk about are actually full-length novels because somehow I managed to read a couple. Awesome. It's because we complement each other. Yes, yes, we do. The first one that I want to talk about is Satisfaction Guaranteed by Karelius Stetswaters. And I actually needed to push this book 
further up my to read list because it was obviously on it. If once you hear the description, you'll understand. But I got to talk to Karela and a couple other people at Edelweiss Book Fest recently. And her excitement about this book just like boosted my excitement about this book. Satisfaction Guaranteed is a contemporary rom-com. And it is a real rom-com. Like you will be cackling your head off if you have a certain sense of humor. If you have a different (laughs) sense of humor, this might not be the book for you. Here's why. Cade is a more buttoned up uh, accountant type who discovers that she has inherited half of her recently deceased aunt's sex shop, sex toy shop. The other half was left to her aunt's assistant and housemate and friend who lived and worked and all of that. So the two have an interesting meeting at Kate's aunt's funeral and then discover that they will be working together to try to save this sex toy shop that is actually basically bankrupt and could be taken at any minute if they don't do what they can to make it something new. So it's an opposite subtraction. Wait, it could be taken at any minute, you say, Jess? <laughs> I didn't even think about that, Trisha. I mean, you had me at inherited sex toy shop, but I also <laughs> just, I couldn't, I couldn't let that one go. I couldn't stay on mute. Uh, bless you. That was a great interjection. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I apologize. I shouldn't interrupt. <laughs> you should congratulate yourself for it. Uh, but so, yeah, so there's an opposite track deal. There is a prolonged slash extended proximity slash forced proximity since they've been left this thing to deal with. There is an amazing cast of very quirky Portland characters. And it's just, it's a lovely book, not just about, you know, dealing with a sex toy shop, but each of them has to sort of figure out where they're going with life and what they're doing with their lives and selena is like she is an artist but she doesn't do art anymore because of a thing that happened and she has to deal with that thing and sort of overcome the pain that came with that so it's it's a rom-com and it has some absolutely hilarious moments some of which involve sex toys or like bright neon clitorises. Sure. But it's also a very like hearty, hearty book. (laughs) There's a lot of heart in it. So that's that's Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Stets Waters. And it has a cartoon cover, but don't hold that against it. Who do you think I talked to at Book Riot to see if we can make bright neon clitorises our show title. I, th- I think you maybe keep that one to yourself because they might laugh you, laugh you out of the building. But I want you all to know that I was considering it. I mean, it would be one to consider. It would be one for the record books. And you're right, it would probably be the last one I ever did. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You know, maybe actually Book Riot's pretty open-minded, but maybe we won't push push the limits quite quite right now. Uh, I like doing this and I don't want to have to stop. So I will come at you with another book. It is called Knit Pearl, A Baby and a Girl. Speaking of Karina Doors, actually, this is one of their titles. It's by Hetty Bell. And it is what I what you might call new adult. It's um, Poppy is in her early 20s. I believe she's around 22. And 
Brie is in her mid-20s, I think. Anyway, part of the reason that that matters is because they meet when Poppy finds out that she's pregnant. She goes to Planned Parenthood. She's not exactly sure what she wants to do, but Rietta is her escort. A, I think probably many of you know this, but a terrible thing happens at a lot of Planned Parenthood locations wherein people who do not think Planned Parenthood should exist and specifically are anti-choice will yell things and actively pray. And there's just a lot of things that are going on to try to intimidate people who need the services of a Planned Parenthood. So despite the fact that Planned Parenthood does many, many things to support reproductive health, that is a conversation we will have another time. Feel free to message me if you need more information. Anyway, Poppy is going there. She's not sure what she wants to do. And like I said, Rhea is her, her escort in to kind of shield her with her umbrella against all of that. They kind of hit it off. They start chatting. Poppy decides that she wants to have a baby. That's what being pro-choice is, is being able to make the choice. Um, and that's the choice that she makes. But she also is sort of trying to, she sees a flyer in the Planned Parenthood for a, a knitting group. And so she goes and she finds out that uh, Rhiannon, who she has some real feelings for, is, is the leader of the knitting group. So they hit it off. They have very quick chemistry. They start to uh, connect in a variety of ways, I would say, also very quickly. (laughs) And it gets a little complicated because Poppy is pregnant and they're trying to figure out kind of anything that you have to figure out with a relationship. But They're also trying to figure out what it looks like to be starting a relationship and someone is pregnant and they're in their 20s and it's there are complicated family dynamics. Mm. And I think I really liked this book because the, the the kind of supporting characters, that sort of knitting group found family is is really lovely. But it's also, it felt very true to me in terms of the kinds of relationships that people have in their early 20s in particular, where they're pretty good at the communicating part at the beginning. And then as things get more serious, that's where some of the conflicts come up. There's issues with Poppy's family. I mean, it's just, it's a really complicated situation. And I feel like this book is fun and lively and really compelling in a lot of ways, but also does not shy away from the fact that this is a very complicated situation to find yourself in. Mm. Uh, and as someone who is like very plot driven, I I enjoyed it a lot. So that is uh, Knit Pearl, A Baby and a Girl by Hetty Bell. And it's full length, but it is also, for me, it read really quickly. So I would check it out. It might be $1.99 right now. I think it is. <laughs> so you can get it. There you go. Yeah. What else you got, Jess? One that I... Okay, so I'm going to give you some weird backstory. Go with it. You know I will go with you anywhere. So several months ago, I started watching this show called Yellowstone. And it's basically Succession, but with cowboys. Kevin Costner is like the, the family patriarch on this giant ranch that covers like half of Wyoming or whatever. And, you know, there are tons of tons of little stories. And I was really interested in one of the side stories about one of the ranch hands who is interested in going into rodeo. And I realized that I didn't know a whole lot about rodeo, but would totally read a rodeo story. But like, they're all just... There are so many different kinds of rodeo story, right? You've got the oh yes, the the ones that are um, you know like the polyamorous, super erotic rodeo that is like three percent rodeo and 
mm-hmm. 200% bedroom. You've got the Texas Rodeo. Oh, okay, so anyway. I anyway. Ca- <laughs> I came across this book called Prize Money by Celeste Castro. And this is an Idaho rodeo story featuring two women of color. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I was all in. So you've got Ava, who's a barrel racing queen. She is like the fastest in in the Northwest or whatever. And she is ready to keep winning enough prizes that she can start this amazing sort of Mustang reserve out in the wilderness. And then you have Toma, who has been away for a while. She she was a stunt woman and Wonder Woman and does all of this Hollywood stuff, but her father is injured and her whole family does bullfighting and other things at the rodeo to sort of show off, but also support the riders who have to be protected from things like bulls. Um, sure. And so reading this is, is a great introduction to rodeo because like, there are things you think you know, but then there's also all of this other stuff. I, I live in Arizona, so there is a rodeo every year, but I've never actually been. But I know that mm-hmm. like kids ride sheep and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's also a really great story about these two very different women who first encounter each other before they know anything about each other on a plane and have sort of a really emotional connection that's not like it's not sensual or anything. It's just like a clash of emotions on a flight when one of them really needs it. And then they go their own ways and run into each other at the rodeo. So from there, we learn a lot more about what their needs are, what their desires are, and how they, how they do with horses. Um, and it's just like, sure. it's really delightful also because like Ava, gets up at four o'clock every morning to work her family's farm and her abuelita runs a restaurant and you get to see the um, Toma is actually Native American and you get to see their family on the ranch. And it's just like, it's so great to see like that kind of story, but also it's romance novel. So they get to fall in love. Um, Adorable. Which I did like, there was one, I think maybe two successful romantic story arcs in Yellowstone. And one of them is actually on a wire. So I'm happy to have gotten that feeling in a book with a guaranteed happy ending. So that is Prize Money by Celeste Castro. I told you it was a long story, but we made it to the end. (laughs) We did. And we are the better for it. (laughs) I will do just a quick shout out to uh, a book that I just started called Small Town Secrets by Katrina Jackson. We have talked about the Seaport series before by uh, Katrina Jackson, and it is three or four novellas. They're all 99 cents. This one's third. I would recommend reading the other ones first, although you don't have to. I will just tell you, I am like 25 or 30% of the way through this book, and so far it is all meat cute. (laughs) So if you just need like all of the meat cute, this is maybe a place to go. Again, Small Town Secrets. Just a quick shout out. Jess, would you like to tell people what our last title for our next book club maybe will be? Absolutely. Not maybe, we know. We we know. Since you're doing a quick shout out, I will also do a quick shout out to Femme Like Her by Fiona Zetti. I also just started reading this one, so I can't tell you much about it. But if you 
want to read something real hot, real fast, the first chapter of that book is something else. <laughs> so anyway, Femme Like Her, Fiona Zetti, but... And immediately everyone downloaded it. <laughs> our next book club book is also of this nature. And I actually mentioned the author earlier. It is Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay. Not to be confused with Wrong Woman, Right Number by no one. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Trisha that I wrote that down as the title a few days ago and was determined that I was correct, but I was not. Um, so that is <laughs> Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay. And we will keep you posted. Yeah, and we haven't figured out exactly, probably like two or three episodes from now, mm -hmm. but we did have those four from the beginning of the year that everyone was really excited about. And so we're kind of spacing them out and that one's next. Yes. And we're excited for it. Or at least I'm excited for it. Same. That This is one of those situations where you should definitely, I don't think there is a situation where I don't feel comfortable with you speaking for me, Jess, but this is definitely one. So good to hear. Yeah. And I think that is it for us, right? I mean, we're so grateful to everyone for listening. I am so grateful to have Jess back. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who has to accommodate me in a new space today. Sorry, Jen. I tried to keep the background noise to a minimum. <laughs> I'm doing my best. But yeah, as always, you can find us on email and social media, right, Jess? Yes, you can. You can look for me on Twitter at Jess's Reading, all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And I am at Trisha Haley Brown on both. You can email us at whenandromance at bookriot.com. Please let us know if you have favorite books that feature women as main characters. Uh, and yeah, we'll have to do one of, of you know, non-binary, non-gender conforming characters soon. There are a lot of those great ones out there too. Absolutely. But yeah, in the meantime, we're just very excited to get to read with you all. Yes, we are. So in the meantime, I am hoping that you are reading now. Happy reading.